Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13. We are going to continue with the theme of missions since this is our missions month and uh, I'm very excited about what God is doing in this place and when it comes to missions and winning souls. Uh, it, it is it, Antioch, the, 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 the city we're going to talk about tonight is probably the greatest model, the greatest example of what we need to follow when it comes to uh, being a mission-minded church. And so I want to jump right into it, Acts chapter number 13. And when you find your place, say amen. It says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, which is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they, what's that word? Everybody say it real loud. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost, what's that word? Say it. All right, that's important. We'll come back to that. I know that seems like it's just a simple word, but it's very important. The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had, and by the way, if, if, if you, if you uh, have not been Holy Ghost called, uh, you don't need to try nothing. There's a lot of people that claim to be called this. Their mama might have called them, but it wasn't the Holy Ghost. Uh, any, anyway, anyway, I'll come back to that too. The Holy Spirit is in the calling business. And when they had fasted and prayed... And laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by who? The Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, for the word, the scriptures, the encouragement. Lord, thank you for all the people that's here tonight. Lord, we're here to learn, we're here to grow, we're here to, 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 to be edified and be strengthened and convicted and challenged. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'll do all of the above. I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help us see what we need to be here and what we need to be doing in our church and what we need to be doing when it comes to foreign missions and worldwide uh, evangelism. I pray that you'll just touch all of us, touch all of us, Lord, I pray. And God will thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it, amen. amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. In the very beginning of the book of Acts, <clears throat> you'll find if you go through, if you go through the very beginning to the end and read it a couple times, you'll find out that there is a transition happening, a transition from Acts chapter number one all the way to the end. You'll find that it is slowly transitioning from a primarily Jewish work to a primarily Gentile work. You're going to see, you're going to see the main characters change. Uh, uh, you're going to see the center of activity. You're going to see that change also. And that's kind of where we're going to jump in at today or tonight, uh, where the center of activity is and who the main character is. I want you to look at the top. I want you to look at the top of uh, your notes. And if you have that picture... Uh, Brother Barnes, if you'll put that picture up on the screen, I think they can share that out there. They can see that out there. Uh, if you will look at this map, if you will look at this map down here at the bottom right hand corner, what do you see? Say it again. That's where it all started, right? 
day of Pentecost, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes down. The 120 in the upper room come out praising God and glorifying God. And the humongous crowd gathers. They can't believe what they're hearing. They can't believe what they're seeing. And, and, and so you know what happens when a Baptist preacher gets a big crowd? He's going to go to preaching. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Peter preaches, thousands are saved, thousands are saved, and, and they are baptized, they are added into the church, and God begins to, God begins to add to the church daily those who were being saved. Not just on Sunday, but every day, God was adding to the church. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, that's great, and that's wonderful, that's wonderful, but there's, there's only one problem. They were not, they were not fulfilling what God told them to do. God said, ye shall be, remember Acts 1, 8, it's in your notes if you don't remember. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. What did he say? Go ye into all the world, right? He said, he said, you don't need to worry about the times or the seasons which God has put in his own power. He said, but ye shall receive the Holy Ghost, right? When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you're going to be witnesses to me under Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? Uttermost parts of the earth, right? Now, here's the thing. If you will look in the bottom right-hand corner, you will see what? Jerusalem. If you will go right on up the coast, go right on up the coast, right into the corner, you're going to see Antioch. You're going to see Antioch. How many of y'all see that? Everybody see that? Hope y'all see that out of fair view. I hope it's on your screen there. At the top there is Antioch. Now, from Jerusalem to Antioch, is about 10 years. Are y'all with me? Now here, here, here's what I need you to understand. That ain't that far away. But it took 10 years. Why? Because they were not leaving Jerusalem. Listen, things was hopping in Jerusalem. Things were happening in Jerusalem. People enjoyed, matter of fact, matter of fact, uh, when they came into when they came into Jerusalem for Passover, right? That's the time that Christ was crucified. Uh, uh, there, there was such a to do going on. They're staying for the festivities and the festivals and all of that. And 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 because there was such a crowd from all of these different nations all around them on the day of Pentecost. Thousands were saved, 17 different nationalities and areas that these people had come from. Well, they just decided we're just going to stay. It was so good. We're just going to, we're just going to stay right here in Jerusalem. Now, why is that a problem? Because God said, go. You can't stay when God says, everybody say it. When God says, go. Now, God says, okay, okay. If you're going to stay, when I tell you to go, I'm going to motivate you to go. Now, what did we, what did he do? We know he brought persecution. He allowed persecution. We know the persecution. And I, I'm just rehashing this. This should be old news to all y'all because we come out of the book of Acts a few months ago. Uh, so this should be, you, you should remember all this. Uh, Saul, which begins to, or, or ends up being Paul. He is, he is persecuting the church unmercifully and they are scattered abroad, Right. They're scattered abroad. And so they just go everywhere. First, they go to, uh, what did we say? Jerusalem. What, then what? Judea and, and Samaria. That's the first place they go. Now, let's go, let's go down the outline. And let's see, just leave the map up there if you don't care, if you can do that. <clears throat> uh, or if you're going to put the, the, the outline that's at the top of their page, I think I, uh, those that are watching online, they're, they're not going to have that. So if you want to do that either way. Uh, 
First, we have Jerusalem. Look at the very top of your page. Does everybody see where I'm looking at? It's just the outline of the whole book of Acts. Do y'all see that at the very top of your page? Okay, this here means yes. This here, this here means no. Y'all ready? Can y'all see that? All right, what's number one? Come on, everybody, say it. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. We see the beginning of the church and the expansion of the church, chapters one through eight. We see Pentecost is in there, the spreading of the church. Uh, uh, there's there probably, by the time they get to chapter eight, there's probably 10 or 15 to 20,000 people who are now believers in Jerusalem, okay? Now, then we move number two, Roman numeral two, we see what? Everybody say it real loud. Judea and Samaria, right? We see the witness, Philip, what, what happens? Philip, one of the, one of the deacons there that we see, uh, uh, he goes to Samaria and he begins to preach and, and miracles are performed and people start believing and getting saved. And it's just an incredible thing now, but, but there's a problem. These are Samaritan folks, man. Any, any good Jews not going to be hanging out with Samaritan folks. What in the world is happening here? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? Even after they get to chapter number 10 and Peter reaches Cornelius and Cornelius is, his uh, 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 family gets saved. He's full-blooded Gentile. We'll see that in just a minute. But when that happens, it, Peter has to come back to Jerusalem to defend himself. And I'm thinking, I, I mean, just today in my office when I, was, when I was going over all this and typing it out, I'm thinking, what part of the uttermost parts of the earth did they not understand? I mean, if they're going to go, if they're, see, in their mind, it was so hard. It was so hard for them to get past tradition and get past the way it used to be. One of the, one of the worst things any church could ever say is we've never done it that way before. Man, you're going to get hung up. Listen, they struggle with that. That was a difficult thing. So God, in his infinite wisdom, there was a slow transition from only dealing with the Jews to now in Acts, that's in Acts chapter two. By the way, who had, who had the, who's unlocking the door of the gospel to, to people? Say it with me. That's right. Peter. Why? Didn't, didn't Peter say, didn't Peter say, but we believe that thou art the Christ. You remember when Jesus asked him, Jesus asked him, who do men say that I am? He said, we believe that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. What did Jesus say to Peter? Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven unto thee, I give the, the keys. And you know what? He preached on the day of Pentecost and he opened the door he, uh, with the key. He opened the door to the Jews in Acts chapter number, Acts chapter number two, right? On the day of Pentecost. Then Acts chapter number eight the Samaritans come in and Peter goes and checks that out, checks Philip's work out and he, he ministers to them and he opens the door of salvation to the Samaritans. Now, why is that significant? They are half Jew and half Gentile. They are half Jew and half Gentile. They were half Assyrian and half Jew. Okay. But we know the Jews hated them, right? And most of the Samaritans hated the Jews, but there was great animosity. But how many of y'all are glad God's bringing them together? So Acts 2, Peter unlocks the door of salvation to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. Acts 8, to the Samaritans. And now in Acts 10, how many of y'all remember Peter had a dream? Peter had a dream. Bacon Bacon wrapped shrimp came down to him. Now, I'm not sure if it was bacon wrapped shrimp, but it was, uh, it was not kosher. Are y'all with me? 
it was unclean, so it wasn't hamburger. It, it, it had to be, it might have been pork chops, I don't know. Whatever it was, it was not kosher. It would, Peter said, uh-uh, uh-uh, I ain't eating that, I know. And he said, man, rise and eat. Three times God had to get Peter's attention. When it's all said and done, make a long story short, because I got a long way to go and I ain't even got to the outline. But, but the point being, God showed him there's no difference. What God calls clean, don't you call unclean. There's no difference between the, the, the Jew or the Gentile. And now he gets a knock at the door. Cornelius, his servant, there and says, hey, our master's sending for you. And so Peter goes with him and he realizes, hey, this is why this is happening. He preaches the gospel to Cornelius and his, his crowd, his family. They all believe in Christ. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. He baptizes them. And so now we have the church complete. Now the church is complete. The, the Jews have come in in Acts chapter 2. The Samaritans have come in in Acts chapter 8. The Gentiles have come in in Acts chapter number 10. Now the church is whole. It's not Jew or Gentile anymore. It's the body of Christ, the church. Amen. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now it's time to reach the uttermost. Now it's time to go. Now it's time to go. In the very beginning, in the very beginning of the book of Acts, you find the primary character is Peter. All right? Say that with me. The primary character is? And the, the, the main area of activity, the main center of activity is Jerusalem. Say that with me. The main center of activity is Jerusalem. Jerusalem. But look what happens. Look what happens. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Look at your notes. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. Okay, in Acts 1.8, Acts 1.8, it says, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in and in all, in and unto. Okay, now if we, if, we can, if we put the Great Commission together with this, first word of the Great Commission is what? Go. All right, so let's use that first word and put it together in Acts 1.8. So he says, he says, go, go to where? Jerusalem. Go to Judea. Go to and go to. Can we say that? Okay. Where are they going? I didn't say where they're supposed to. I said, were they? No, they were staying in Jerusalem. Now watch what happens. That's Acts 1.8. That's Acts 1.8. God says, go to all these places. They don't, and because they didn't, they get an Acts 8.1. Did y'all see that? Understand, if you don't obey God, he'll switch the numbers on you. Now watch what happens in Acts 8.1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, that is the death of Stephen, that's the death of Stephen. Remember when they stoned Stephen? And at that time, there was a great what? Persecution against the church, which was at? Now watch what happened. And they were scattered abroad. Where were they scattered? The regions of? And? And Samaria. Now, how many of y'all have ever... How, what does the Bible say? We're not only the light of the world, but we are the salt of the earth. 
How many of y'all know sometimes you, you, you got to shake the salt shaker a little bit? Sometimes that salt even gets hard and you got to bang it on the table. Say amen. You know why? Because we're stubborn. How many of y'all know when we refuse to move, he can move us? And so persecution stirred up and it caused them to go. Isn't it amazing that it caused them to go where he told them to go to begin with? You know what we can take from that? Let's just go to begin with. Let's, let's go to begin with. Let's not make God have to do it for us. Amen. Let's, let's go to begin with. Let's do what we're supposed to do. They go to Judea, Samaria, and now, now it's time to reach the uttermost. Now it's time to reach the uttermost. From Acts chapter number one till we get to Acts chapter number 13. Okay, we find the Jews have come in in Acts 2, the Samaritans have come in in Acts 8, the Gentiles have come in in Acts 11. Now, watch what we see. Watch what we see underneath Judea and Samaria. A, we find the what? A, under, under Roman numeral 2. The witness to the... That was by Philip. If you want to write that beside it, if you want to remember who that is, who did that witness, and that was by Philip. All right, B, we have the conversion of a Gentile. That's the Ethiopian eunuch. I mean, y'all remember when Philip went to the Ethiopian eunuch? That's the first Gentile to come in, okay? Then we see the conversion of the apostle to the Gentiles. Who is that? Paul. Paul gets saved. Now, God specifically calls Paul to the Gentiles. So he is primarily to the uttermost, right? Okay, then D, the witness to the Gentiles. That's when Peter goes to Cornelius. Now, why didn't, why didn't, why wasn't that Paul going to Cornelius? Because he didn't have the, that's right. It was Peter's responsibility, okay? Now, now we find ourselves in chapter number three, the uttermost parts of the earth. Here in this particular chapter, we're going to find the model church. We're going to find what we want to be. We want to model Temple Baptist Church after the church at Antioch. Paul now becomes the main character. Uh, the, the center of activity is no longer Jerusalem. It is now Antioch. Because why? Because why? In the beginning, in the beginning, Jerusalem was the center of activity because the primary goal was who? The, the Jews. God was still reaching the Jews. He was still trying to bring the Jews in. He was still trying to give the Jewish people an opportunity to come in. But guess what? They rejected him for the last time and killed his messenger, Stephen. Many theologians believe that when, he killed, when, when the Jews killed Stephen, that's when God turned officially to the Gentiles. Now it's time to reach the Gentiles. Well, Peter was the apostle to the Jews. If we're going to reach the Gentiles, we need an apostle for them, right? So Paul is called. God chose Paul, saved Paul on the Damascus road. Say amen right there. Amen. And now he's fixing to send Paul. He's fixing to commission Paul for his calling. All right. Now let's look at this. They were scattered abroad. They were scattered abroad. Now look at Acts 11. On your first, we're still on the front page. We're still on the front page. We ain't got to the outline yet. Acts 11. 
We see, now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix, Cyprus, and where? Antioch. Antioch. What were they doing? Preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Now, why was this? Because they hadn't heard yet. They hadn't heard that the, the Gentiles had come in. You see, they left when Stephen was persecuted. When Stephen was executed in stone, they're, they're fleeing for their lives. Well, between that point and this point, Peter's gone to Cornelius and he's understood that God has brought in the Gentiles too. So they're still preaching primarily just to the Jewish people. Okay. Does that make sense? Amen. Now let's keep reading. It says, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians. Oh, let me back up, back up, back up. Preaching the word to none but the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Serene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching who? The Lord, the Lord Jesus. Now, who were these people? These were Hellenistic Jews. These were Hellenistic Jews. Now, you say, preacher, what are you talking about? All right. There were people that were, they were, they were Jewish people born and raised and lived their whole life in Jerusalem. So we could call them Palestinian, if you want to use that term, Palestinian or natural, whatever makes, helps you understand. They came from Israel. They came from Jerusalem. But there were, there were Jews from all over the Mediterranean that had come back and they were called Hellenistic. Paul was Hellenistic. He was from Tarsus, right? Even though he was a full-blooded Jew, he was from other regions. He, he wasn't born in Jerusalem. He wasn't natural born in Jerusalem, but he came. So he, was, he had basically a Jew who had Greek culture. Does that make sense? Say amen. Well, the ones who were preaching to the Jews only were who? The Palestinian Jews. They were the, they were the sure enough blue bloods, if you will. But then we have those who had Hellenistic culture who, who were not born in Jerusalem, but they might have been born in Tarsus or Sicily. But they were there and they received the gospel and they got saved. Well, guess what? They're going to go tell everybody. They didn't care who it was. They knew everybody needed to hear the gospel. And so they begin to witness. They begin to witness to the people there in Antioch. Now let's, let's see what happens. Verse 21 and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number, what? Believe. They believed, and they turned unto the Lord. And, the, and then it says, Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was where? In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch. Now, why was that important? They, they, there needed to be a connection to the church at Jerusalem. They need to understand because we need to know that these people have the legit gospel in their teaching the right truth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, so Barnabas goes, Barnabas goes to check it out. Barnabas goes to look in verse 22, who, when he came and seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they should cleave. They should stick to the Lord, stick to the faith. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people were added unto the Lord. Now, what's happening? God's hand is on them. God's favor is on them. What happens when God's hand is on a church? People will get saved. And it says much people were coming to the Lord. So what do we have here? We have Barnabas 
who is a who is an elder. He's a he's a seasoned saint. He's a, he's been a believer for a while, and he's 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 very well versed in scripture. And he is seeing in this brand new place, in this wonderful new field, there are people coming to Christ like crazy. God's hand is on it. God is blessing it. His favor is on it. And these people are coming to Christ just in droves. Now, here's the problem. I need some help. Listen, Barnabas says, I'm not going to be able to handle all these by myself. I'm going to need some help. Why? Because all of those baby Christians are going to need to learn the word of God. And Barnabas knew the most important thing could happen for baby Christians is they get grounded and they learn and they grow and they develop. They learn what they need to learn from the scriptures. Listen, you need to know what you believe and why you believe it. You need to be grounded. So he says, I'm, I need some help. I need some help. So what's he do? What's he do? It says, where did I stop? 25. That's right. All right. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Let's go back to 24. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to, Sars, to Tarsus for to seek. He said, I'm going to need some help. I need to go get Paul. Now, we know Saul's name ends up being Paul, so I don't want to confuse you. That's the Apostle Paul. So he goes looking for Paul. Now, this is not going to be an easy task because Paul had run from his, for his life from Jerusalem, and he went back to Tarsus, his hometown. So now he's got to go find him. Well, he does. He finds him. Verse 26, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year... They assembled themselves with the church and did what? Say it again. And they taught much people. It was so important that these baby Christians get grounded, that they get discipled, that they get trained, that they get developed, that they learn the word of God. So important. And look what it says. And the disciples were called what? Christians first in Antioch. Now don't, don't get all excited and jacked up about that. It wasn't, it wasn't a term of endearment. It was used in derision. It was really a cuss word. They thought it was going to, they thought it was going to be, uh, uh, a way of, of ridiculing or criticizing. They were basically, they were mocking them. The, the, the lost crowd or the, especially, especially the, the unbelieving Jewish portion of the people in Antioch, they use this as a way of, of mocking them and, and cutting them. But guess what? They took it as a badge of honor and everybody should. Amen. And so, so here we are, we're in Antioch, tons of people's got saved. Barnabas has now gotten help. Him and Paul are working side by side, discipling all these new believers and training them and developing them. Man, everything seems to be going good. But what happens? In this chapter, we find the main characters being Paul and Barnabas. In just a short time, Paul comes to the forefront as the main character. In the early chapters, I just said this earlier, in the early chapters of Acts, we see the main character being Peter. And the center of activity being the church in Jerusalem. Now in this chapter, the center of activity is the church in Antioch and the main character being Paul. Let's not look now and see the description given of the church that reached the known world at that time with the gospel. The church in Antioch was the springboard for the gospel to the Gentiles. Now let's look at a few reasons why God blessed this church. 
Number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Let's go back and read, and then we'll go through these, these few short verses, okay? Why did God bless this place? Why, why did God use this place like he did? And how was, it, how was it that they had the ability to reach the known world through what we see in these verses? Now, how many of y'all, before we even get into this, how many of y'all understand that we have more than an obligation than what's in this building? Now, I hope you hear what I just said. The body of Christ has more of an obligation than what's seated in this building. There are so many churches, there are so many churches in America and probably around the world that have this mentality Listen, preacher, you, you bury our dead, you marry our children, you baptize our, you, you, you just take care of us. We come here so you can take care of us. Our, our four and no more. We don't want anybody else in, we just want you to. Here, here's the thing. This is, this, we're, 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 we're not keepers of an aquarium. That's not the way this works. God did not call you to come and be pacified and to be babied and to be pampered. When you got saved, God enlists you in the army. You've been drafted as a soldier in the army of the Lord. And the mission of that army is to go get as many POWs as we possibly can. Are y'all with me? Say amen. There's a ton of them missing in action and we're supposed to go find them. We're supposed to locate him. We're supposed to bring him in. We're supposed to go into all the world. God did not call us to sit. God called us to serve. Say amen. Amen. Now listen, look at this church. So many great things about this church. So many great things about this church. Verse number one. Now they were in the church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers. As Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Serene and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Now, uh, in other words, he was very close to, to Herod, maybe possibly a foster brother of Herod Antipas, right? And, and you know, the one that cut John's head off, y'all with me? Who, whose granddaddy, whose granddaddy had all the babies killed in, 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 in Nazareth when Jesus was born. I mean, just, just a real, real wonderful crowd of people. Now, guess what? He's in the church. Are y'all picking that up? What does that mean? It don't matter what your heritage is. You can fit in the church. All right, look at this. Number one, why was this a great church? Why did God use this church? Why did God bless and favor this church? First, they were a serving church. Write that down. They were a serving church. Three things I want you to see in underneath this. They were diversified in their service. They were diversified. What do you mean? They were different. They had, they had qualities. They had variety. Not only were they diversified in the kind of people that were there, there were, they were brown folks there. There was, there was black folks there. There was white folks there. You see a total, total, when it comes to demographics, you have a great variety Luke listed five different specific men. And by the way, these were just leaders that kind of uh, gave you a, a snapshot of who was in the church there. We know that Barnabas, who we, we, we're very familiar with coming from Jerusalem, 
whom, whom we've met, Simeon, who may have been from Africa since he was nicknamed Black, Lucius, who came from Cyrene and may have been one of the founders of the church in Antioch, Manian, who was the intimate friend or perhaps an adopted foster brother of Herod Antipas, who had killed John the Baptist, and Saul, and we know Saul's background, uh, he, he was hunting down Christians and, 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 and arresting them and having them executed. He was there giving the okay for Stephen to be executed. But guess what? All these different varieties of people, all of these types of people, all these different backgrounds of people are now in the one church and they're not seeing color. They're not seeing background. They're not seeing their past. They're seeing Jesus Christ in every one of them. We're spirit filled. We're all in the same family. Church, say amen. Amen. Listen, we're all in the same family. We are all here. But guess what? We're not all, we don't all have the same gift. You see several different giftings in this particular thing. Now, what do we see from that? God wants to use you with the gift that you have. Listen, we're not all the same and we don't have all the same giftings, but we all have a gift and God expects you to use it in the body of Christ to be a blessing to one another. Are y'all with me? So they were diversified and I'm glad we're not all the same. Wouldn't that be a boring life? If we all look the same, if we all drove the same vehicle, if we all like the same car, imagine if everything was white. I, I mean, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine there was all the same vehicles if there was all, you know, there's motorcycle people, there, there, there's van people, there, there is, there is, is, is foreign car people, you know, there, there is American muscle, thank God, say man. There's variety. What a blessing that is. Isn't it cool? Look around. I mean, we ain't all the same. Good night. Look around. Isn't that great? God can take people from everywhere in every situation in every background and put them together and they're one. They're one. Hallelujah. Diversified. They were not only diversified in their service, they were diligent. This is important. Man, I hope you get this right here. Let's read it. Verse number two. Verse number two. Let's all read together. As they... Verse number two, Acts 13 in verse number two, as they keep on as, as they, all right, say that part again. As they, who were they serving? That's right. They were diligent and they understood they were serving Christ. Well, preacher, we know that. Do we? Do we? If that's the case, if we really get that, then why do we get bent out of shape when somebody don't recognize what we do? Think about it. We don't serve people. We serve the Lord. I'm not serving this church. I'm serving Christ in this church. Does that make, it changes. Have you noticed how that changes everything? It doesn't matter if anybody pats me on the back. It doesn't matter if anybody gives me an attaboy. I like them. I'm not, I'm not against them. Say amen. I'm for them. I'm for attaboys and I'm for, you know, I'm, I'm for all that. 
But when you go to quitting because somebody's not bragging on you, something's wrong. Because we're serving Christ. I, somebody, I tell you what, nobody even said nothing. Well, listen, you're, that's not why you're doing it. If, the, if that's why you're doing it, you're doing it for the wrong reason. I do what I do because of Christ. I do what I do because I love Christ. I want to serve Christ. I want to make him happy. I want him to like me. I want him to be happy with me. He loves me with an unfathomable love. I get that. But I want his smile to be upon me. And they ministered to the Lord. They understood the fact that they did what they did for the Lord. I'm telling you, if I did what I did for people, I'd quit a long time ago. Because there's way too many so-called saints that have way too short a memory. And you go out of your way to help and bless and encourage and they get their feelings hurt. And one half is thinking way that it was their fault anyway. And they think you're the worst thing that ever was. And they forget all the, are are y'all with me? And I'll stop right there. But I don't do this for them. I don't do this for their approval. The Bible says we serve the Lord Christ. Let me show you a verse underneath that. This is really, really good. It says in 2 Corinthians 8, 5, and this they did, not as we hoped, but what's that word? First gave their own selves to the Lord. And then it says, and unto us by the will of God. Now watch this. There's, there's, there's first I give myself to the Lord and then I give myself to you guys. Okay. I give my time. I give my effort, my sweat, my, my sweat, blood and tears. I, I, I give myself to you, but I gave myself to the Lord first. And if I didn't do that, if I didn't do that, the ministry and people have hurt me so bad in so many ways, so many times, I'd have quit a long time ago. But I had to give myself to the Lord first. And if I give myself to the Lord first, it really don't matter what this side does. Now, this side shouldn't be that way. They should appreciate it, but people are going to be people. I don't care what they are. They're just going to be people. Well, I tell you, they hurt my feelings. Get over it. Get, go forward. It won't be the last time. Brush yourself off. Get back up. Spit the blood out your mouth. Let's go. They will disappoint you. But if you give yourself to Christ first, it doesn't matter. And by the way, when you do that, He's going to make it well worth it regardless of what this side does. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Listen, we give ourselves to the Lord. We're diligently ministering to the Lord. We do what we do because of Christ. Colossians 3.23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, heartily as to the Do it like you're serving the Lord, not unto men. Knowing... Here it is. I told you. I told you a while ago. He's going to make it worth it. Knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. Isn't that great? You say, why is that so great? Because his hands are bigger than yours. Do what you do for the Lord. Do what you do for the Lord. In class one night. Ah, we ain't going to never finish this. In class one night, Dr. Brown was teaching about how thick a skin you have to have to pastor. 
And uh, he said he was in the bathroom at, at the church, and uh, he was in one of the stalls, and so they didn't, two guys come in there, didn't even know he was in there. And they was just giving him down the road. I'm talking about criticizing everything and every, just, 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 just in an awful, awful way. One of the guys said, one of the guys said, what'd you do? He said, I stayed in the stall. He said, I waited till they left. So they knew I wasn't there. And then I left. I was thinking to myself, not me. I'd have come out of that stall and said, hey, boys, and went to washing my hands. But that was when I was 19-year-old and stupid. I get it now. I understand it. You know what I understood? That's not why he's doing what he's doing. He's giving himself to the Lord. So regardless of what this side does, he's going to go on. He's going to keep on keeping on. Now, if you keep getting blindsided and sidetracked because of what people do, you might need to check up and see if you've given yourself to the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about salvation because that's not talking about salvation. It's a total commitment, Lord. I'm in this thing for the long haul. Let me give you an illustration. Brother Mark, do you mind if I say this? I'm not going to... Listen... Brother Mark and them will go sing somewhere. And sometimes, sometimes I'm willing to bet, I'm not a better, but, but I'm, will, I'm willing to guarantee, that's a better church word, right? I'm willing to guarantee they didn't even give them enough money to put the diesel to get home on. Well, I tell you what, I quit going then. That's the difference. Because Brother Mark made a commitment to Christ and said, I'm going to do this regardless because if this is what you want us to do and this is our calling, we're going to, I'm giving myself to you first. Regardless of what this side does. How, did I call it? Has it happened? Yes, sir. I know it has. Because it's ministry. And it's people. People just don't think Sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on, I'm not trying to pick, I, I'm just trying to help you understand. If you keep getting your feelings hurt because of what other people do, you, you, you won't make it long in ministry. So you got to quit looking at other people and you got to quit worrying about what other people say or do or whatever. You give yourself to the Lord and say, God, I'm all in. Whatever you want, here we go. And then when you do that, you will be able to give yourself to people regardless of what they do to you. Amen. Amen. Listen, they ministered to the Lord. They were not only diversified, they were diligent. They were disciplined. This helps out a lot with that too. The Bible says in verse number two, as they ministered to the Lord and what's that word? Fasted. They were serious. Fasting means they were serious about their ministry. They were serious about what they were doing. That's all fasting is. is you're showing God that you're serious. That you mean business. Mark 9, 28. When they had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast them out? And he said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by 
How many of y'all would understand that they're going to need some serious power to reach the uttermost parts of the earth? They took it seriously. Listen, we need to take it seriously. We need to, we need to learn to discipline ourselves and, and stay focused and be serious for God. They were a serving church. Man, they were working. They were ministering. And the word ministering means service. It means serving. Listen, they had a servant's heart. And, and, and not only were they a serving church, number two, they were a spiritual church. This is so important. They were a spiritual church. The Bible says, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted while they were serving, while they were serving, they were serious. They were fasting, wanting God's will done in their life. And then the Bible says the Holy Ghost Say it. <laughs> how, how, how can we be a spiritual church, preacher? Well, if we're going to be a spiritual church, first of all, we're going to have to be sensitive to the Spirit. We're going to have to be sensitive to the Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, come on, the Holy Spirit, How do they know? They recognize his voice. They recognize his voice. It is a sad, sad thing that there are tons of Christians who are not walking close enough to God to recognize when God talks to them. I worked at the golf course down in Florida, Indian Pines Golf Club. At the time, I was, I was responsible for the uh, sprinkler system and all that, and, and, and we was going to put some, some really souped-up uh, fertilizer on the greens. And, uh, and I was wanting to know if it was going to rain that night or do I need to get all the pumps primed up and get all the irrigation system ready to go because you know, we didn't want to burn up the greens. And I went inside, and, uh, and most all the guys, I don't know if you've been at a, a golf club, they hang out at the bar, and they have the big screen TV there, and usually the weather channel's on all the time, 24-7. We're there and there, and there's a guy named Dempsey. Dempsey was behind the bar, <clears throat> and I walked in, and I said, hey, Dempsey, is it going to rain tonight? And, you know, he had all his little cronies right there, his all his little buddies, little drinking buddies at the bar, and and uh, he just kind of looked, and, and, and Dempsey was just a cool old man, but he was lost. And he just kind of looked up at the sky as if he was looking up to God, and he said, well, I don't know. I don't know him well enough to ask him. I mean, I cannot tell you what kind of cold chill went down my spine. And I about wanted to cry. He said, I don't know him well enough to ask him. Now, that's sad. That's sad. But it's not near as sad as those that are saved, but you're not living in a way where you're sensitive enough to know when God is trying to tell you something. In the seven letters to the seven churches, in the seven letters to the seven churches, the Bible says in every single one of those letters, there's a phrase, there's a phrase, it's in your notes. He that hath an ear, let him hear what? 
what the Spirit says to the churches. You see, the Spirit is desiring to lead all of us. The Spirit is desiring to lead all of us, right? It says they that are led by the Spirit, right, are the sons of God. The Bible says don't quench the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. How do you grieve the Spirit? By not listening. Are y'all with me? They were sensitive to the Holy Spirit. They recognized him when he spoke. They recognized when the Holy Spirit was leading them, pulling them. Say amen. Amen. We need to get that way. We need to get that way. How do we get that way? Doesn't the Bible say that God speaks in a what? What kind of voice? How do you hear a still, small voice? You have to be quiet. That's a good one. I didn't think about that one. You have to be quiet, but you have to be who? You have to be close. You have to be close. I don't know if y'all noticed it or not, but I reached up and pulled my hearing aids out and put them in my pocket because it sounded weird in here when I'm trying to preach. But Tammy will get frustrated with me, and, and, and especially when I don't have them on for what we paid for them. Dear God, say amen. We pay for them, put them in your head. You know, anyway. <laughs> Honey? No, she didn't. Uh, but I'll get real close. I, you, you notice people that struggle with their hearing. If they, if they can't hear you, what do they do? Some of y'all, it's not because God ain't listening. He ain't speaking. You need to start. You need to start leaning in. It's proximity. Yes. Hey, you realize you can be close enough that that still small voice sounds like a roaring lion. But it all depends on our relationship with him. How close do you want to be? I tell you how close I want to be. I want to be close enough when he speaks, I'll hear him. And I'll not just hear him, but I'll recognize him. This is a coon dog analogy. So I always wonder when you get into competition, and people ask me this all the time. I say, well, how do you know all them dogs barking? How do you know which one's yours? There could be 20 dogs out there barking, and the moment mine barks, I could tell you which one he is. You know why? The time I spend with him. And it's not the time I spend with him when there's a bunch of others. It's the time I spend with him when it's just me and Merle. Did you catch that? Just me and him. I've heard that one Voice that one barks so much that it didn't matter how much distraction there was. As soon as he barks, I knew it was him. You see, it's that closeness, that one-on-one time, proximity. And as he said, you got to be quiet. Yeah. That's see, that's why that's why it's real difficult to take rookies with you coon hunting <laughs> because they just want to jibber jabber the whole time. And I have to tell him, shh. <laughs> Trying to hear my dog. 
Are they treed yet? I don't know. You won't shut up. <laughs> if you be quiet, you'll hear them. Hello. How many times do we just need to lean in? I promise you, God wants to lead you. But you got to listen. And see, this was a church that was sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit. As soon as he said, hey, I want Paul and Barnabas. I got a job for them. They heard him. If we're going to be a spiritual church, we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. B, we have to be submissive to the Holy Spirit. That is so key. We learn this in DMD. We learn this in the, in the, the sharing your faith training. We got to be submissive. And by the way, God knows when you're going to be submissive or not. Oh, I just want to know God's will. No, you don't. You're not going to do it no way. That's why I ain't told you yet. You think, oh, if he'll tell me, I'm going to decide whether I'm going to do it or not. No, that don't work that way. You submit, then he'll tell you. Y'all with me? What does it say? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. See, there, there's that submission first. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect what? Will of God. We want to do the will of God and say, well, I, I need to know what your will is before I submit. No, it don't work that way. You got to get on the altar and say, I surrender. And then he'll say, okay, this is what you surrender to. Right. And by the way, don't worry about that. You're going to like it. Right. Anyway, that's a whole nother message. We ain't got six minutes on the clock. Come on, people. A, what was A? If we're going to be a spiritual church, we have to be sensitive, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Listen, then we have to be what? Submissive. Submissive to the Holy Spirit. Then we'll be supported by the Holy Spirit. Man, when Paul went forward, look what he said. Look what he said in 1 Thessalonians 1, 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. As you know what manner of men we are among you for your sake. Listen, if you learn to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, learn to listen to him, and you submit to him, you're going to be supported by him. He's going to fill you with power. Number three, let me just give you these real quick. What was number one? Number one, they were a, they were a serving church. Man, they were volunteering. They were going after. They were serving God. They knew who they were serving. They were a serving church. Number two, they were a... They were a spiritual church. They listened to the Holy Spirit. They fasted and they prayed. They spent time, quiet time, alone time. They were very sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And they were very submissive to him. Because the Holy Spirit told them, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I had called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. And what? And what? sent them away. They were a sending church. They were not just a serving church. They were a spiritual church, but they were a sending church. How do, how do, we, how do we become a sending church? Two things. Two things. Now, did everybody leave with Paul? No. Who left? Paul and Barnabas. 
and John Mark too, but primarily the main missionaries, they, he was kind of their assistant, but Paul and Barnabas. Isn't it terrible? Well, it ain't terrible. It's God's will, but God took the best out of the bunch. That's one of the most frustrating things sometimes as pastors is you win somebody and you disciple and man, they're really a great servant of God and faithful and wide open and you're, you're one of your best people and all of a sudden God takes them somewhere else. But guess what? That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. If that didn't happen, I'd have still been at Bethel down at my dad's. If that didn't happen, Brother Travis Sharp would still be down at Bethel where he was led to the Lord and discipled. And are y'all with me? You see, it's not the church's seating capacity. It's it's his sending capacity. Say it with me. His sending capacity. Listen, if we fill this up and empty it by sending people out, then we'll fill it up again. That's what we're supposed to do. We don't need to brag about how many people we can sit. We need to be bragging about how many people we are sending. Now watch this. Two things here. How do we become a sending church? By sharing our faith. Look at this. A. We become a sending church with sharing by those who stay home. Now we're raising, we're raising finances and support for those that are going to be in Southeast Asia and, and churches there in Myanmar and churches in Vietnam and churches in, and probably going to even move up into China and in India and places where me and you can't go because they would kill us instantly. But you're, 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 you can't go. You got to stay here. So does that mean we're off the hook? We can just put a few dollars in the plate or a few dollars in the box and, and we're good? No. Why? Because Jerusalem has to still be reached. Judea and Samaria still has to be reached. Then the uttermost parts of the earth. It's not either or. It's and both. Now, when we send missionaries out, we just sent some. We just sent some a few months ago to Guatemala. They're in Guatemala. I can't go to Guatemala. So we're sending them because I have an obligation to preach the gospel to every creature. They are getting to go. So they go there while I reach people here. here. We're all missionaries. We're all missionaries. Some stay and some. Now, how many names were mentioned? How many names were mentioned? Five, right? How many did God send? Guess how many stayed home? Guess what they kept doing? Preaching the gospel. Sharing their faith. Ministering to the Lord. Does this make sense? Now here's what happens with a lot of churches. Oh, mercy. Here's what happens with a lot of churches. They get way out of balance. There are some churches that all they do is soul win at home, but they don't support any missions. We got enough to do here. Well, then you got some on the other side that, that are very tiny. They won't go across the street to win nobody, but they're going to send a bunch of money overseas to do that. That's wrong too. I don't care how many missionaries you support, and I don't care how many missions you give money to, if you're not willing to go across the street and share your faith with your neighbor. Amen. Are y'all with me? Amen. It's not either or. It's both and. We stay home, so we're missionaries here. They are going to be missionaries there. But we support both. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? Now look at your neighbor and say, you're a missionary too. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> Write this down. And I want to I come back to that. Those who stay are to share their faith here. They're to be missionaries here at home. Luke 14, 23 says, and the Lord said unto the servant, what did he say? Go out into the highways and, and do what? Compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. My redneck daddy said that means hog time and drag them in. That's not what that means, by the way. Don't be dragging nobody. Compel means to compel. It means to plead. It means to bet. Hey, do whatever you can. Get them in that my house may be. How many of y'all believe God wants this house filled? How many of y'all believe it's our job to do it? Amen. Amen. Listen, we're ascending church by sharing with those who stay home. Then B, with support for those who go abroad. The Bible says they sent them away. Now the word sent there means to totally relieve. Totally relieve. In other words, they gave them the ability. They released them from their obligations there and supported them monetarily with prayer support, with money support to help them go to the foreign field. God had already called Paul to minister to the Gentiles and now Barnabas would labor with him. The church confirmed their calling, commissioned the men, sent them forth, laying on of hands was the church's way of offering identification, confirmation, and unity with the calling on Barnabas and Paul. And all God's people said. it. 